Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We welcome you along to the programme. A couple of people have been already on to us this morning with thoughts of holidays on their minds. Of course, all the children would have broken up for their two-week Easter holidays last last uh, Friday and that got Jim in Charleville thinking he said he was at the weekend chatting with people and they were talking about the fact that it was Easter and people were taking holidays and I think more and more people are taking holidays this year than perhaps would traditionally have done around Easter but because with the pandemic we're kind of getting towards the end of the pandemic and restrictions haven't been lifted people maybe who haven't been away for a number of years are deciding to head away over the this Easter break so Jim said it got them chatting about Easter and Easter holidays and the fact that the schools are uh, closed. But Jim says it got him thinking that as we are moving away from religion and we're moving in this country, we're moving away from being a predominantly Catholic country and schools, many schools are moving away from the patronage of being under the Catholic Church. Uh, Jim wants to know why do people get so excited about Easter if they're not following the religion and if they don't believe in the, re- in the religion and he's wondering why these big holidays are planned around religious events like Easter and it'll happen again at uh, Christmas and he would love other people's views uh, on it and people I suppose call it Easter holidays and call it Christmas holidays even though from the religious point of view for many Jim it has absolutely nothing at all uh, to do with it so I don't know if you're saying that these holidays should end or should we be calling them something else should we be renaming the Easter holidays renaming them Spring Break as actually is what it's called in America. But then what would you do with the Christmas holidays? Would you call that the winter break, Jim, I wonder? Your thoughts uh, welcomed on that. And then uh, Jenny contacted us because she's in a right pickle. She's heading to Spain next weekend. And uh, she said it's her first time out of the country since the pandemic. She said her last trip abroad was in 2019. So she's really looking forward to it. She has to fly from Dublin uh, because of where she's going to in Spain. Flights were not available from Cork. Now she's absolutely dreading it because she's seeing all the images of queues at Dublin Airport after the last few weeks and she's wondering if anybody has any advice or has anybody been through Dublin Airport or have had family members through Dublin Airport maybe this weekend or last weekend and any advice to try to make it as smooth a journey as possible uh, for for Jenny. And it can be 
and I can sense, Jenny, from from your email that you're already anxious about travelling. And when you haven't travelled in the last number of years, there is a level of anxiety about it. But the thought that you're going to hit Dublin Airport and there's going to be these massive queues. I was looking at it over the weekend, following it on social media. I mean, they were queuing outside the door um, Sunday morning. Security didn't open until four o'clock and the queues outside the door had started at 3am in uh, the morning and there was lots and lots of images of people queuing outside and then people queuing inside and now the Dublin Airport Authority has said because those images went viral they're now fearful that that has caused panic among many holidaymakers and now they've got holidaymakers arriving needlessly early for their flights and that is just adding to the problem. The DAA yesterday was saying that some people are panicking. They saw the queues. They heard about people two weeks ago missing flights. Nobody wants to miss a flight and particularly if you haven't been away in quite some time and there's the Dublin Airport Authority are now reckoning some people are just getting spooked by the uh, images and therefore it's this panic inducing mode they're going into and people are way way too early for uh, for their flights. I mean the advice has been that people need to turn up uh, at three and a half hours before your your flight which traditionally most people were told to turn up two hours but because of the queuing they're saying uh, three and a half hours and then they I heard them yesterday saying you should you should arrive no earlier than three and a half hours. So three and a half hours is the maximum time you need to ensure that you can get through security, that you can get to your boarding gate and that you should be able to get through uh, no uh, problem. Now, seemingly there was a steady flow of passengers yesterday, both outside the building at, at uh, Terminal 1, but the queues were orderly and by all accounts, the it was moving. And I think if you're in a very long queue, if you're moving, you feel you're getting somewhere. It's if you're in a long queue and you're standing there and you're just shuffling a few paces every couple of minutes, that's when frustration really starts to hit in. So even though there was a lot of queues at the weekend, the DAA say, look, the queues were orderly. People were moving. People did get to their uh, gates and they, they reckon it's calmed down a lot and the things were moving OK and people did manage. You, you, wore, you, you will spend longer queuing to drop off your bags, to go through security, to get to your gates but nobody seemed to be missing flights and I think that's the most uh, important one. And Dublin Airport says it has put in place a special control plan to deal with the large number of passengers who will be departing on flights next weekend for the Easter break. Now, passenger numbers are at about 80 to 90% of what they were pre-pandemic. And that's the one that got, really got my head scratching at the weekend. But they're saying that they're between 80 and 90% of what it was pre-pandemic. I've flown out of Dublin Airport. Uh, it's not my favourite airport in the world to fly out of. My all-time favourite airport is to fly out of Cork. But you can't always get the flights that you need out of Cork, unfortunately. And even though more and more flights now, thankfully, are coming on board for Cork. And Cork is just so stress-free an airport. It's an absolute pleasure to go through Cork Airport. And then when you have to go to Dublin, you know it's going to be busier. You know there are going to be uh, delays, but nothing on the magnitude of what we've seen for the last number of weeks. And for the DAA to come out and say, well, the numbers are between 80 and 90 percent with those kind of queues is just absolutely uh, bizarre. The airport is expected to remain busy throughout this week and across uh, next weekend. And they do say they have 10 security lanes open in uh, Terminal 1 and that has helped the queues to move more steadily and they say with extra security lanes opened earlier yesterday and the task force assisting operations Dublin Airport is 
saying, look, we are going to be busy across this week and over the Easter Easter holidays. But they say at busy times, they will continue to manage the flow of passengers into the terminal. And I think that's what the queues outside were about. They were stopping people coming in. So there wasn't this big backlog of people as soon as you went in the doors of the terminal. So they seem to manage it by getting to people to queue outside. That's all well and good. But the last two mornings, the scenes I was witnessing at like half four in the morning, people queuing up outside and it was frosty and icy and it was bitterly cold and you could see some people were dressed for their sun holidays you know the way people like to if you're going because that lovely feeling when the plane door opens and you get the wave of sunshine hitting you you don't want to be dressed up in your best winter woolies that you'd worn at home so you could see people standing in shorts and crop trousers and sandals and I'm thinking oh my god they must be frozen standing outside the airport and I'm sure they were but they say that the the airport authority say that's the way they did it they, they this kind of carefully planned process to keep uh, passengers safe and ultimately to make sure that that, that passengers made their flights on time and that's the big one I mean I haven't heard of anybody missing their flights I think it was maybe two weeks ago when we really started to see a problem at Dublin Airport with the queues and there just didn't seem to be enough security lanes opened and there seemed to be a wait where people were dropping off their bags and there, there was a there was a backlog of people there and then people eventually got their bags dropped off and then they had to join another queue to go through security and I did hear last week and I don't know if they are still up there or not I do know that they they got on to Cork Airport and said, have you got extra security staff that you could give us? And they sent security staff from Cork and the security staff from Cork is when any of us go through Cork Airport, we know how great they are. So maybe they're the ones that are going to sort out all the problems in Dublin Airport. But just for, I feel for for you, Jen, um, uh, Jenny, I mean, you definitely need to arrive on time. They're saying three and a half hours but don't turn up five hours. I think that's what was happening at the weekend. People were saying, OK, if they're saying three and a half hours, I'll be there five hours. I'll be there six hours. And that just added to it. If everybody turned up at the agreed time, giving themselves enough time to get through, maybe we, we wouldn't have as big a backlog. But I think we're certainly going to have to put up with it until Dublin Airport obviously needs to employ more, more people. I did hear a trade union official say it's got something to do with the contracts that they're offering people to work at the airport. They're not very attractive contracts. I heard of a contract that they were offering where people were guaranteed 20 hours a week work but they had to be available for 40 and you know to be sitting at home not knowing if you're going to be called in and you will you guarantee the 20 hours over so many days you might get two hours one day and then you're sitting at home and you might get six the next day you're sitting at home because you've got to be available and then you might get nothing the day after those kind of contracts nobody really wants to work under those so I think maybe they're going to have to start looking at the contracts that they're offering and obviously during the course of the pandemic when there was no one in the airports the airport authority left a lot of people go so the staff that they once had there are obviously no longer there and many of those staff members then obviously went on and got jobs elsewhere 0818 103 103 as as I say uh, Jenny particularly interested in hearing from anyone who has gone through Dublin airport and how bad was it and is it just are people just getting spooked because they're seeing these queues of people and the queues of people might have only been at one section of the day or one half hour of the day and the rest of the day it might have been fine. On Dublin Airport, Colette says, a friend of mine, her husband had an extra three hour wait last week out of Dublin Airport. He was on an early flight to, v- to uh, Valletta 
in Spain. Uh, it was out of Dublin and the problem was outside the airport. The queues were outside the airport. I think that's the uh, any of the frustration I saw on people, certainly on Twitter, they were putting up photographs of joining the queue outside the airport waiting to actually uh, get in. Hi Patricia, on security at airports, just a suggestion. I've often wondered and even more now with travel chaos, why the airports don't have separate check-in lanes for each gate instead of one central security for all of the flights. Anytime I fly out of Prague Airport, that's the way they do it. There's a security check at each gate and it's only passengers for that flight boarding at that gate that will go through that security gate. It works hassle-free and it's extremely quick. Just an idea instead of everybody queuing together all all for the different departing flights and then what happens is if you get a big queue of people you have somebody behind you who says my flight is going in 20 minutes could you let me through some people will let them through others will say no you got to wait because my, my flight's going half an hour I don't want to miss my flight and then you get you get anxious and angry and frustrated at passengers and then somebody misses a flight and all hell breaks loose. Uh, Pat in uh, Formoy says on uh, Dublin, we're listening about the Dublin airports and and he says he thinks it's really interesting seeing all these photographs of the, the tens of thousands of Irish people going away on holidays for this Easter. It has got him thinking that we very much live in a two-tiered society. He says we've the likes of Katrina Toomey from Cork Penny Dinners looking after people who simply can't afford to put food on the table and then we have these thousands of Irish people who are heading out of the country to head to a bit of sunshine for Easter what a divided society we live in says Pat in Formoy who also says on Jim's point about the Easter holidays and should we still be celebrating and having Easter holidays when less and less people are actually practising Catholics Um, Pat says what Jim needs to remember is that these holidays before they were Christian holidays they were pagan holidays and before that they were holidays to some other uh, gods. Uh, it always kind of changes over the years and the centuries. Thank you for your call Pat to 0818103103 and I want to give a quick mention because somebody contacted John Paul Kira was in touch, to, touch with us. She left her phone. It's a Samsung 21 phone in a pink case and she left it in a, the back of a taxi last night. She said it was about 11 o'clock last night. She got a taxi from the Grand Parade and when she got home she realised or she discovered the next day she didn't have her phone and she's convinced now she left it behind her in the taxi. So she's wondering if there's any taxi driver listening who was operating in the Grand Parade area last night at about 11am could you please check the back seat of your taxi if you haven't done a clean out of your taxi yet to see if Kira's phone is still there or if there's any other taxi drivers listening could you get the message out to anybody who would have been working out at Grand Parade last night about 11 o'clock we're trying to locate this Samsung 21 phone in a pink case and we have all of Kira's details because we've just been discussing the delays out of Dublin airport there is another added worry for many families they continue to face excessive delays in trying to get passports processed for children and the delays have even seen some families miss out on their holidays or catch up with relatives. The issue of passports was raised by Cork South West Dáil Deputy Michael Collins in the Dáil last week and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you Michael. Good morning Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Are these passport delays, now are they down to people leaving it too late to apply or what are the reasons that you're hearing? Well I suppose first and foremost the, the, the best advice I can give anybody is before you book your holidays check your passport. It's a, and, and, and passports you have, are they indeed 
are the passports who don't have, which may be in relation to an infant child, a uh, first-time passport, um, keep in mind that it's taking up to 40 days uh, for to get that passport. And that's if all goes uh, according to plan. Now, if you have a situation, in some cases, the misfortune situation, people send in a photograph about a week or a week and a half to two weeks later to get notified that that photograph isn't the correct photograph that the passport office wants. And that means in that 40 days, 40 working days, then uh, it's, it's put back another two weeks. And it starts from the the the, the point of the um, actual proper photograph being sent in or the proper information being sent in. It starts in the 40 days, then again. So what I'm saying is, and you know, put up a picture on Facebook last week of a baby getting the passport. We had a struggle, a real struggle to get the passport. And that was a normal one. Uh, but we were nearly told early in the week it wasn't going to be issued. The, the parents had booked a holiday, the first holiday in two years. You know, which a lot of people deserve because of you know because of the pandemic, they've had that the chance to get a break. But we got that passport just on the on the eleventh hour, um, and 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 the fifty ninth. And, and that, but in, in and in defence of that couple, they allowed plenty of time to apply for that passport. They did, and they didn't incur any difficulties. But sometimes the estimated date of 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 um, which say issue is is not guaranteed. So you might you yeah. know people do track it. You can track it yourself. But the the estimate is that they're promising you doesn't always work out. I think there's a shortage of staff because I don't want to be critical towards the passport office and the staff that are there because we work close with them and we work with the Department of Foreign Affairs, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, and have got passports in the last minute that are very genuine. But um, they're start they must they're short staffed. That has to be no other reason than that, and that's unfortunate. I, I could bring it up to the town and you know, while he said he was inundated his own officers, we're all in the same situation. They must increase the staff. In, in, in the passport office so that these these passports can surely be turned around in about a two-week uh, yeah, period. Yeah, because whenever we bring up the issue of passports here on the programme, uh, Michael, we inevitably will get in texts and emails from people saying that they renew their passport online very straightforward process and within sometimes within a couple of days the new passport arrives in the post. So that section, the straightforward renewal of a passport, does seem to be working quite well. It does, it does. But the thing is, my my strong advice also is to people out there who, who feel that they have a complicated or complex renewal, they can make an urgent appointment with the local passport office in, and just happen to be in Cork, where we're concerned. And that turnaround is between one and four days and you can attend the office. Now, the unfortunate now that, that that's for an emergency. That's it. Well, it's a complex one. Some of them are complex. There's, there's issues. Then, you know, uh, there might be one parent family. You know, they might not. That, that, those people would, would be advised to go to the, make an appointment, to make an urgent appointment to local passport office, and they will meet with you. And they, that'll be a quick turnaround. And is it easy to get those there. appointments? It's not that difficult. It's not it not? difficult. Okay. You might have, to, might have to book a week in advance or whatever. And another thing too, well, I know this is probably slightly away from what we're talking about, but Aer Lingus is our, we say our national flag carrier. And if, if you have people that are going to the UK, uh, Aer Lingus may not look for um, a, pass, a baby's passport. So that's another issue. People have to go to, to the UK, but like that's only just because there's an agreement there with the common travel area. And that's only with Aer Lingus. It isn't with other... Um, it isn't with Ryanair. No, but no. It's, it's, it's it's something to keep in mind yeah, if you are yeah, UK yeah. and you are caught without a. But if you, it's it, the the big you know the big bottleneck seems to be this. It's it's the babies. It's the first time a passport. A passport. So it, it, to try to get it through to people as well, that when you're applying, you need to double and triple check before submitting the documents to make sure that because if there is the tiniest thing wrong, 
it gets, as you say, sent back, but it might be 10 days, two weeks before the mistake or whatever's wrong or the photograph isn't, isn't right gets sent back to you and then the process has to start all over again. Yeah, you, the situation you have to have, uh, obviously the photos, the birth certificates, marriage certificates, if there is a marriage, parents, uh, passports have to be sent in. If there's no marriage, there's an affidavit signed by both parents. There's a lot of issues. And as I said, if you send in uh, and, and drop one of those uh, important uh, parts of the that need the, the information that they need, they'll put they'll they'll just send it back out to you, and it's, the whole process has to start again. And you're talking it could be adding another twenty working days um, to, to, to to the wait again. I go back to what I said at the beginning: make sure you look at your passport before yeah, you book your yeah, holiday, yeah. and make sure you have everything in. And of course, and, we have. And I know. We haven't yeah. touched a passport uh, exactly. probably, probably since since 2019. And passports yeah, are one of those things, you don't get notification to say your passport is out of date. So you do need to check, because they're 10-year passports. So, you know, you'd want to have some memory to be able to remember it straight off when your passport is due for renewal. So you do need to check. I'd say people need to pull them out of the cupboard now and, and, and shake the dust off them, have a good look <laughs> at them, make sure everything is, in, is indeed. And, and if there is... Uh, an outdated passport, irregardless, you say, I'm not travelling this year, go away and fill your, put in your passport now and make sure you have everything crossed like because there's a, even a photograph wrong could put you off maybe two, three weeks uh, add, add, in addition to the, to the time you're waiting already. So, and unfortunately, we've had people, you know, we're allowed 15 queries, each TD is allowed 15 queries a week, that's nothing. We can get that in a day for wow. people having issues with, with, with passports. So, at that, they'll cut you off um, and they won't discuss anything more than 15. That, that goes for every TD in the country. So and when, when you raised this issue with the Taunashta last week, particularly about extra staff, he did say that extra staff had been allocated to help the passport office, didn't he? He did, and, and we were having bigger problems before getting an ordinary passport uh, turned around speedily. But since that, that has helped uh, somewhat. But still, you have uh, issues with babies' passports, like that should not take 40 days and, and longer if there's, uh, if, there's, if there's wrong documents going in. It shouldn't take that. Um, it's not fair. It's not fair on people. Like, it's very hard to plan that far ahead. And, you know, if flights come up and cheap holiday comes up and people just say, right, book the holiday. And, of course, think, after good God, have I everything in order? And, unfortunately, come to us in and we're trying our best when we, we, we get quite a lot of them across the line. Some we can't, and I've, I've had people that had to cancel their holidays. Ah, and over. And, 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 and you know, people spend two years without a, without a break, and you know they're 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 kind of geared up to go, and sometimes don't overplan that far ahead. Uh, but in this situation, did I'm uh, advising people very strongly to make sure that they have their passport. Okay. In, in, in and and I know I've discussed it before with other uh, public representatives, this issue of a printing, a passport printing machine to be installed in Cork. Wouldn't that help? There's, two, there's, there's a few things I would help here now. First of all, you know, I, I used to go to the passport office in Dublin and, and, and I, I, was, I used to get, once I get consent from the, the people, I used to get to be able to start it out there and then on the desk. The offices should be reopened, I feel, and you just, I feel very strongly uh, on that issue. Um, and, and secondly, yes, if they would print them to be brilliant, but I suppose it's such, uh, you know, it's such a complicated uh, situation where be and it's very very rarely happen where children might be taken out of the country that shouldn't be taken out of the country they're 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 so careful that every dot must be over there and 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 across and across over the tea but the office should be reopened i can't see why uh, every shop in the country is is running naturally with, with maybe little screens or whatever i don't see why passport offices especially in in, in dublin 
um, and in Cork uh, should be reopened to the public. So at least you have a walk in and you, you can deal and with talk, the paper and, the drum and go back to somebody. That's and talk to somebody face to face, yeah. Okay, yeah, all right, all right. And just on a very different topic, this is making the front page of the Irish Daily Mail uh, today. Uh, this is to do with the ban on sale of turf. Doesn't it all seem, Michael, a little crazy with rising fuel costs that the government are about to ban the sale of turf from the first of September? And according to the Mail, you won't even be allowed to give your neighbours or friends a bag of turf. Yeah, I don't know where this is going to end, Patricia. Very, very serious concerns for the economy of this country and for the people, the hardworking mother and father out there and, 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 and elderly people who want to eat their homes. They can't afford to buy oil at this present time. Quite a lot of people, not everyone I accept, but quite a lot of people are finding it extremely difficult to buy the home heating oil, to put the fuel in the car, you know, and you look at the cheaper method of, 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 of heating your home, uh, coal is going to the roof, so you might put a little additive, a bit of turf, and now they're going to ban that. There's some talks of timber, burning timber in, in your fireplaces. It, it, it could be the next ban that's coming online. We have, a, unfortunately, we have a Green Party that are out complete control, getting support from Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and others. And, and unfortunately, they're bringing these rules and regulations in that will make no difference to the environment for the people of Ireland. We must look at China, we must look at India, we must look at America. And these are the countries that changed the made dramatic changes. But we want to be the good, good boys in Europe, or the best boys in Europe and the best boys in class. But that comes at a severe cost. And there's no alternative. It's great to talk about all these things. That's all I ever hear above the doll when I raise these issues with, with, with Minister Ryan is, oh, we have renewables and we have, um, you know, the warmer homes. All that. That's two years down the road. The wind energy is 15 years down the road. So they're all... We have been severely, severely punished in this country for circumstances outside of our control, and they have no solution. If you say don't burn turf, what's the solution? If you say I'm putting coal out of the price reach of people, what's the solution? Nothing. If you say I'm putting uh, fuel, home heating oil out of the price range of the ordinary mother and father and person elderly person living at home, what's the solution? Zero, zero, zero. And for that's the land we're living yeah, in at the moment. It's, it's, well, it's very, I mean, there are people really in full, fuel uh, poverty and we, all we can hope is that the weather gets a bit better and people won't need to be switching on oil or uh, lighting fires because, you know, so many people are struggling at the moment. OK, listen, we leave it there, Michael. Thank you for that. Thank you for the show. And uh, thanks Thank for joining us on the programme. That is West Cork Doll Deputy Michael Collins. The Joint Committee on Health wrote to the Minister of State for Mental Health, Mary Butler expressing their dissatisfaction and concern that the Onakara Centre in East Cork is to be closed. The committee has called on the Minister to reverse the decision as a matter of urgency. And joining me, one of the local political representatives who's been fighting so, so hard to keep this mental health facility open on the Screen Party, uh, Councillor Liam Quaid. Good morning to you, Liam. Good morning, Patricia. And, and, And you're welcome. You couldn't have asked for a better response from the Health Committee, could you? Absolutely. Um, I think we were somewhat fearful that, you know, it, it may not um, be a very kind of a, a clear or, you know, straightforward kind of request um, because sometimes these things can be coached in diplomatic language that, that might in, in some ways um, take from the matter. But um, as you said, um, it was refreshingly, you know, clear, supportive, straightforward. And I think in that statement, the the injustice really of the closure was very much acknowledged and the fact that both the building and the service provision rationale just simply don't stand up to scrutiny. Um, and, and I think the reason that we really wanted um, 
you know, a very clear statement was that particularly I think the residents have been in this kind of prolonged limbo um, since the closure announcement was made nine months ago. And it's now actually um, five months since the closure was meant to, to take place. And it isn't, um, you know, a, a measure of flexibility on the part of management that it hasn't um, fully closed it's because they simply don't have placements for people. Mm. Um, and one of the things that's absolutely vital now is that we have certainty of service provision. Um, I, I talked to you before about my own work as a mental health clinician and um, you also had uh, one of the family members on talking some months back about her sister um, and how long it took her sister to reach a point of uh, stability and um, over over a number of years actually getting to a place of a, a, a decent quality of life and community integration um, when she first moved to Onakora. And likewise, in, in my own work and in the work of any of my colleagues, if you're um, planning you know, to come to the end of a therapeutic alliance, um, with any with any person with a significant mental health difficulty, you you would want to be planning that out and have it very um, set out and clear over a long period of time. And what the Onakura residents have been facing for the last nine months is not just one therapeutic alliance, but a multitude of them, all ending um, at different times. Um, not, not only are they all ending together, but um, they don't know if if they're going to. Um, come to an end in in a few weeks or a few months, and and this yeah, includes the uncertainty is shocking. And have yeah. any of the residents moved? Well, there's 11 residents remaining. Um, when the 11. closure was announced last June, there was 19 residents. Okay, so um, eight, eight, eight have, have moved. Now, the committee listened to all sides of the debate. <clears throat> Did they feel that the HSE couldn't justify the closure decision? Yes, and I think that's why their request is so direct. Um, you know, they're they're not beating around the bush with it. Um, and I think what we have to come back to is, uh, you know, it, it's vital for the current residents, but there's also many people in East Cork, um, you know, who may be languishing in long-stay wards or who may be living with ageing parents, unable to cope, um, or in and out of acute admissions and living in precarious circumstances in, in the community who currently don't have a local community-based uh, respite option. And it, it, so it's, it's, it's about the service provision for the entire region. It, it's not just about accommodation. Yeah, we don't. We, yeah, we forget about that. I mean, obviously, the, a lot of the focus has been on the residents because this, this, this is their home. But the fact that this centre is also offers respite, is, that's a really important point. Absolutely. And if you compare um, the East Cork provision going from 24 at its 24 placements at its peak um, to North Cork, which has almost exactly the same population size, the North Cork HC catchment area. And in North Cork, there are three residences spread across the three towns of Mallow, Kinturk and Fermoy, amounting to 42 single ensuite placements. And those services are highly valued. They, they generally have a waiting list um, for people who need, who need to access them. And in East Cork, the proposal is that we be left with zero placements. Um, it's, it's fundamentally, um, you know, unjust and flawed service provision plan. And in, in the, um, the health committee meeting and in the mental health committee meeting prior to that, a vision for change was cited as, as, as a, a justification for this. It's a complete distortion of a vision for change. Because um, well, Vision for Change is all about locating mental health services within communities, isn't it? 
Yes, and crucially, it sets out that for a population size of 100,000 people, which is which approximates to both East Cork and North Cork, um, you should have at least 30 such placements. Uh, North Cork, as I said, has, has more than that, but those placements are needed. Um, and those placements in North Cork have allowed people to transition from more institutional settings, such as Darsfield's Court, mm. back into the community. And if this uh, current service plan prevails in East Cork, what we'll have is people from our local area into the future having St. Stephen's Hospital in Sarsfields Court and St. Catherine's, both of which are ward-based settings, as two of the main placement options. Ah, And we've been moving away from that for for so long. Yet you've got the HSC saying, Liam, it's not possible to renovate Onakara, single-storey building. They say the only way to upgrade it would be a complete demolition. Do, Do you agree with that statement? Well, I'm not an expert, but my colleague Nasa Horrigan is. She was on your show um, in in early March. Couple of weeks ago, yeah, yeah. And she is not only an architect, but she has a specialist expertise in healthcare design. And in her view, there's absolutely no um, particular reason why you can't renovate the current building. She she made reference to five story flats in in Dublin that can be retrofitted. Um, we're talking about a single story building, and any of the evidence that we've seen hasn't actually, or sorry, any of the building reports haven't produced evidence to say that um, it's impossible to renovate. The only claim that was made to that effect was in an internal HSC Estates Department report, but it actually actually produced no um, building survey to back that up. Mm. And any of the independent building reports um, that were provided set out the works that needed to be done, such as asbestos removal, um, fire safety improvements, but none of them, none of those independent reports claimed that uh, the building was irreparable. Yeah, all, all, all very doable. So now, particularly with this very, very strong statement from the Joint Committee on Health, is the ball very much back in the court for the Minister for Mental Health, Mary Burke? Yes, very much so. Um, and I think for the whole government and for national HSE management, um, both myself and some of the family members have recently written to Anne O'Connor, who's the Chief Operations Officer with the HSE, and we were very frustrated that she referred us back to local management again. Um, Minister Butler can issue a ministerial order to overturn this decision. Um, I, I appreciate that it's difficult for her to do that when the HSE have this very, um, you know, kind of fixed line on it. But I think we have to we have to consider at this stage there's been an, an accumulation of evidence um, that that really um, you know counteracts the claims that have been made and there's also crucially been a, a lot of information that has been withheld and continues to be withheld um, following FOI requests and parliamentary questions. Um, I, I so families I think have have you know they're very encouraged by this but they're cautiously encouraged because they've had such a, a demoralising experience over the last nine months. They've, yeah, you know, yeah, and I've, I've just seen a, a texter when I was teeing up about the fact that we would be discussing this and I was talking about what the Joint Committee on Health had said. Um, Anne, Anne says, so delighted to hear that the facility at Onakara has been kept open. I'm delighted for the residents and their families. Unfortunately, there's no guarantee that it's going to be kept open. There's no guarantee no. because while the committee's words carry great weight, um, they don't, you know, involve direct power. Now, I heard at the weekend that some of the non-clinical staff in Onakura have been told that they will be kept on for another six months. 
Um, myself and the families, families have made it very clear that we will not accept some kind of short-term solution, which will actually just prolong the uncertainty and the anxiety and keep people in this kind of suspended state, um, you know, of distress. We need a proper resumption of services for the current residents and, and for other people who need the services. And I think we all need to move on from this. I think it's clearly in the, in the HSC management's interest, as well as everybody else, that they, um, you know, accept what has been um, said by the committee and, and really start to tune into the suffering of families which has been so, you know, widely expressed over the last number it's of months. It's been so difficult, so difficult. All right, Liam, and listen, well done to you. And I know there's other public reps that have been involved as well, but you really have been flying the flag for the residents and the families of Onakara. We will speak again, Liam, in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Green Party Councillor Liam Quaid. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As you're possibly aware, and we had it on the news this morning, there is a protest march by truckers. It's underway in O'Connell Street in uh, Dublin. And I've already had some commentary in on this, including Heidi saying, uh, Morning, Patricia, I really hope that this truckers protest will make the government sit up and take notice, especially of us, the people of Ireland. Price hikes are way out of order, lives of families are struggling to get by with all, with everything rising in price at the moment. It's okay for TDs on good wages and on big allowances, but not so for us, the ordinary guys and gals. Something has to be done and I want to wish the best of luck to the hauliers and they've been protesting since early this morning in O'Connell Street. The group's demands, they want a price cap on petrol, diesel and home heating oil. They want the scrapping of the carbon tax and they're also going so far as they were calling for the resignation of the Transport Minister, uh, Eamon Ryan. And they say that Dublin will be in complete lockdown uh, for as long as it uh, takes. The price caps they're looking for, they're demanding €1.10 of a price cap for litre for petrol, one twenty per litre for diesel, 65 cent per litre for green, that's the agricultural diesel, and 65 cent uh, per litre for home heating oil. And they want a cap on it um, at the moment. And those prices are completely off what we're paying at the moment. And now, in fairness to the truckers, they planned this demonstration to kick off this morning to coincide with the school holidays because they were, they were trying to minimise uh, disruption as much as possible. But they were yesterday, I know, encouraging anyone with appointments in Dublin to uh, reschedule it. Now, it seems there was early traffic disruption on the main routes into Dublin. That was as the truckers were getting to Dublin and particularly around the Docklands. The campaign group is called the People of Ireland Against fuel prices. They say the industry has been crippled by spiralling diesel prices and they're now demanding uh, more and further government action. Now our Dublin reporter uh, Kevin O'Mahony, we sent him down to the Dublin Docklands this morning because we wanted to him to speak and to have a chat with some of the protesting truck drivers and here's what he sent us. piece of fuel and that's basically what it is. Like as I said before, like uh, kerosene, even the home heat and oil, everything has gone crazy, absolutely insane. Our jobs has been threatened at the moment. We haul sand and gravel and all that stuff. And our jobs has just been decimated at the moment. Our boss is talking about pulling the plug. So really, yeah, honestly, the, the price of fuel has just gone crazy. Practically, it means that uh, the work is not really there now at the moment. You know what I mean? Everything is, everything is just falling apart. That This country is just falling apart at the moment. So we really have to try and do it. 
I'm not sure if this is the proper way to do it, but this is the way we're doing it at the moment until someone comes up with some better solution for it. You know, we, we really have to think. We have to think for ourselves in this country now. Start thinking again. What you know, what we need, what we want, or what we don't want. Um, I got up this morning at three or one o'clock this morning to come here, you know, to do this. And and you know, now the guards want to move us and they want to do this and the other with us. They're, they're not bad to us, I must say. I must, they're very good now. But uh, you know, we're not moving for the moment anyway. So we get some. We have to get some kind of satisfaction from someone. When did things start getting very bad in this country? Look, for the haulage industry, yeah, big thing was Eamon Ryan, I suppose, yeah. But um, the haulage industry has been suffering in this country for years, for years and years and years, and no one gives a damn about it. And it's the backline of the country as well as the farmers, you know. So, you know, it's it's, it's look, look, just look around you, the people that's here, like everyone that walks past us is supporting us as well. But we need more support. We're we're doing this for the country, not 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 just for individuals, you know. So I don't think anyone in government realizes. I think when they get into government to just sit back and say well I'm not going to rock the boat for anyone you know what I mean I'm just going to sit back in a nice cushy job and get me pension and good luck I'm gone bye bye in a couple of years and that's the whole lot that's what I think but anyway that's that's where we are at the moment carbon tax uh, they say it's only 2% or something like that but it's two percent on everything, <laughs> you know. It's, it's, it's you know all over the all over the place, and even for again the households and everything like that, kerosene, electricity, everything has gone absolutely insane, and no one is doing anything about it. So we're trying to basically say, look, please give us give us something back out of this, you know, especially for the haulage industry. Anyway, it's just it's frightening, absolutely frightening at the moment. The price of diesel. Absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, we're an island, as you say. You know, you know, we haul stuff, and that's what we do. You know, and that's the the industry we're in at the moment, hauling stuff, and we're we're just we're just being crucified. Can't be done. Okay, that is some of the truckers speaking with our Dublin reporter Kevin O'Mahony earlier. I am hearing that the East Link Bridge is blocked in both directions in Dublin with that large-scale haulier. Uh, protest in uh, Dublin and you know we've seen truckers protest in other countries about rising fuel costs and they certainly have been listened to and it has worked only time will tell whether the Irish hauliers will be listened to or not but they have a number of uh, demands uh, including some kind of a price cap on the price of petrol and diesel and I think a lot of people would like to see some kind of a price cap put in uh, but particularly with all the uncertainty that's out in the world at the moment particularly with everything that's going on in Ukraine fuel prices just seem to be going up and up and uh, up uh, 0818103103 are the hauliers right is this the way to do it or is it wrong is it wrong for the business communities and the economy of Dublin to gridlock the city it's going to cause huge problems for people who are trying to get to appointments in Dublin trying to, for people trying to do business in Dublin is it unfair on businesses that are going to be affected as well your thoughts welcome to 0862103103 you can text our WhatsApp on delays at Dublin uh, airport Ma- Pat in Kilmichael says uh, morning Patricia our daughter flew to Madrid on Saturday morning last her flight was at 6.30am which is the real pinch point in the rush hour that early morning rush hour she was at the airport at 
15 minutes past three. Oh God, she did the three and a half hours. It, then she said it only took her 57 minutes to get through security and she knows because she had timed it. And then you end up being way too early for your flight and you're sitting around the airport. That's, But I suppose you, you're better off sitting around the airport knowing that you're on time than being stuck in a queue outside and being very, very fear, fearful that you could miss your flight. Hi Patricia, I wouldn't mind the crowds at Dublin Airport at the moment if somebody would be willing to take me in their suitcase for the trip. I'd love a trip away. But all the same, I can imagine the stress of it all. Yeah, I just I feel for families as well with Easter holidays. Some people are, are lucky enough to get away in a break this Easter. And if you're travelling with smallies, there's nothing worse than to be standing in a queue for a long period of time. It's a little bit like when you're in the car. Are we nearly there? Are we nearly there? Are we nearly there? I mean, it's just... And, and I think as well, there's a level of anxiety for a lot of people travelling at the moment because for the majority of people, it's their first trip overseas since 2019 because of the pandemic so there's an element of excitement about it but anxiety as well just to make sure that that everything goes uh, okay so I, I certainly do have sympathy for people and then we kind of that kind of got linked into passports and the delays that people are having with passports and that has prompted first time passport application email into a society Patricia don't want to come on air and I prefer if you didn't mention my name which is fine but I've been waiting since January the 8th for my son's passport it keeps being rejected for either the photo or other reasons, such as a copy of my own passport, which wasn't requested in the initial document document requested. The date then resets and it's pushed out again. Please see the screenshots from passport tracking. And this gentleman has sent me on a long, long list of screen checks that go back to three months and three days ago. I mean, things, you know, saying there was a problem with your application. We've sent you an email. You need to follow the steps. And then you get another one coming in uh, saying your your application is being processed. Happy days. Then there's another one saying there was a problem with your application. And then another one we've received your application. You must submit more supporting documentation. And on and on goes the, the screen grabs. Well, this gentleman is getting very, very frustrated three months on. And I don't know. I'm assuming that they're going for the baby's passport they've got a trip planned what I would suggest you do because I can with with that amount of communication from the Department of Foreign Affairs and all of the problems that they're having with your application I would suggest that you take up the advice that was given to us by independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins who says you can ring the passport office in Cork explain the problems you're having and you can get to have a one-on-one meeting and go in and sit across a table with somebody, bring all the documentation with you and let them sort it out. And he says when people have been doing that within a couple of days then that they have the passport. I would suggest with that amount of contact and that amount of delays, that's what you need to do. Ring the Cork office and get an appointment to go in and speak to somebody in person. And we wish you luck with it and let us know, please, uh, how you got on. Somebody else says uh, when you've got Michael Collins on, I've been trying to contact him uh, for for months about the Belfast bus to get cataracts done. I'm desperate to have my eyes done. I'm waiting for years. That's from Mary. I'm I'm surprised to hear. Are you saying that you're not able to get through? Just ring Michael's office because the staff of Michael's office are fantastic. And I know only last week I saw on social media another one of the Belfast or Blind uh, buses went. So I'd get back onto them again. It could just be that your message or your note uh, to them got got lost in the amount of 
uh, people trying to contact him but there definitely are still operating those uh, buses and I don't know Mary where your WhatsApp is coming from but I know the way that that bus has been operated you don't have to be in West Cork to get on the bus they pick up people along the way you know, they were picking up people in Cork City and I'm sure did I see a few months ago they picked up people in Dublin as well they're taking people from all over the country now people so desperate to have their cataract operations done and then morning Patricia I'm tidying out the playroom Oh, good old spring clean. There's nothing like it. I've discovered lots of paint and colouring pencils and Lego and toy soldiers and games, etc. Could you put a shout out, please? Are there any disadvantaged groups? Are direct provision managers? Are families in need that could use them? I'm in the Dohalo area. Thanking you, says uh, Noreen. I would prefer if you didn't give out my number, but if somebody wants to contact you, I, I can then pass on the number but Noreen is willing to drop them off. Anyone in the Tohalo area in need of toys for children? I'm just thinking would they be ideal for any of the little Ukrainian children who are arriving? Most of them are arriving with just a teddy bear in their hand and nothing more. I'm wondering is there any uh, refugees arriving in your area? Failing that Noreen, I mean you seem to have a great array of items there. Any of the charity shops I think would probably be only too delighted to take them in from you as well if you don't hear from anyone. But in the meantime we'll put the shout out in the Johallow area and Noreen is kindly willing to drop off the items if anybody would like clear out of a playroom all in good condition obviously and she's willing to pass them on 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs With Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time part-time and professional courses succeeding together with MTU.ie Charlotte of the Park Hotel they're looking for a swim teacher see CVs, please, to HR at charlevilleparkhotel.com. Accounting technicians are required for Bandon. CVs to, to info at lloydbowmaker.com. Dano Supervalue in Mallow. They're looking for checkout operators, counter assistants and shop floor assistants. Call 022-21662. Groundworkers are wanted for McCroom and Cork City. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now because of rising electricity costs, there's been many, many articles both in print, online, right across the media, advising people to run electrical appliances at night in order to avail of cheaper rates of electricity. But does going to bed after switching on your washing machine or dishwasher come with dangers? My next guest says yes. And Jen Keane joins me to share her story. Good morning to you, Jen. Good morning. How are you, Patricia? I'm very well. And thank you for taking time out to talk to us because you really have a cautionary tale to tell. We need to go back to May of 2013. You went out to meet a friend, but before you, you decided to pop the dishwasher on, Pick up the story from there. Yeah, so I popped my dishwasher on, went out to meet my friend. Um, we drove to his house about 30, 45 minutes or so, and we hadn't even gotten in and put on the kettle in his house. And I got a call from my mum to say that my neighbours had noticed smoke and that they had called the fire brigade and that I needed to come home. So... 
got in the car. Thank goodness I hadn't driven. My friend had driven because I don't know what I would have been like trying to get home with that news. Um, got home. By the time I got home, the fire brigade had been and gone. The ESB had sealed my meter and cut off my power. And my mom and my neighbours were waiting outside my house to bring me into what had been my home and what was basically now kind of a destroyed shell of a place. Um, what, my dishwasher. At, that, at that stage, what was go, when you got the initial call from your mum to say, look, you need to come home, your house is on fire. What was going through your head that could possibly have happened? Do you know, the funny thing is, I pinned my dishwasher as the cause reasonably early into the drive home because it was the only thing I'd left on. But what was going through my head was, I mean, panic, um, a, a quick mental inventory of, oh my God, what could be causing a fire in my house? Did I leave the cooker on? No. Did I leave, you know, did I leave the oven on? No. I don't. I didn't have any candles lighting or anything. I'm not really a habitual candle lighter. Um, the only thing on was the dishwasher. And in my head, I was thinking, I was trying to talk myself down from the panic while driving home. So by the time I got home, I had talked myself down to, it'll be fine. Maybe we'll just need to tidy up the kitchen. <laughs> which, which in retrospect is very, is, is, it was upsetting at the time, but now it's kind of funny because of how unbelievably wrong I was. <laughs> so, so you walked into the house, house and the, the electricity, what time, what time of the day or night is it? I think it's about, I went out at about maybe 8.30 or so. So we're talking about, you know, 9.30 coming on for 10 o'clock. Uh, it's May, so it's still somewhat bright, but the whole house was extremely dark because no electricity, obviously. And then all of the walls and ceiling were pitch black. And I suppose you don't really notice how much light bounces around off of your ceilings and walls until it doesn't. And that, and that was smoke damage? That was smoke damage. So, so, so the, nec- the next day when you go in in daylight, mm-hmm. describe the scene. Um. So... From my front door, <laughs> the whole house is basically ruined. The outside bricks are still standing. If you were looking from the outside of my house, you mightn't have known anything had gone wrong. But my hall stairs and landing, I did a skim coat of plaster, put on those maybe two weeks before the fire. They're pitch black. The smell is like nothing I had ever experienced before. I truly don't think I'll ever forget it. It's the worst burnt plastic burnt soot, really overpowering, makes your nose itch, makes your throat burn, stink. I didn't leave my house until the whole house was pulled apart. And everything is really, really dark still, even though it's bright daylight. Um, Because all of my internal doors, or most of them, were open. That's the case in almost every room. Um, Upstairs is also ruined, even though the dishwasher is downstairs, because my kitchen door was open, my bedroom door was open, my bathroom door was open. So even upstairs, everything is covered in soot and smoke. I went up and turned back the corner of my duvet to look at the colour difference that a white duvet on the bed is now grey. And you can see all the smoke that I potentially would have been asleep in. And closing internal doors, which is something I know that is part of the fire safety advice, would that have made a difference? So... When I say that almost all of my house had to be torn back to brick, every floor, every ceiling, every wall had to come out, except for my living room, because that door was closed. They were able to wash those walls and treat them and repaint them. 
and the only things that I have that I had before the fire, the only belongings I own were belongings that were in that room with the closed door. That's Every room where the doors were open. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I remember interviewing a woman who, something similar, she lost her, her family home as well. And and it's the smell. It It isn't, you know, when it gets on your clothes, when you talk about it was in your bedroom, it was on your duvet cover. It isn't as simple, or shall I pop that in the washing machine and the smell will go away. The smell never goes away. No, no. Um, I mean, we tried to save some of my clothes and they were laundered multiple times. Specialist cleaners, they ended up in the bin. The house honestly did not stop smelling until they had pulled everything out. Six of the large size skips basically came and went from my house. And the house didn't stop stinking until all the walls were gone, all the floors were gone. They even had to bring in an ozone machine to treat the house to stop it smelling because the smell and the smoke had permeated into all the walls it had permeated into all the floors you know when my friends and stuff found out about the fire they were they offered they were like we'll come around we'll help we'll clean it'll be fine I had to tell them there's no cleaning that will do this Mm. the only the only job here is demolition and also it's just not safe Um, I had a skylight in my kitchen and I was told not to stand under it because it cracked with the heat so the inside layer of the Glazing had cracked and in fact one day, maybe two or three days after the fire, I came into my house again and there was glass all over the kitchen floor because it had fallen in. So, you know, it wasn't safe for people to be, to be any, walking even, around my even, house even trying if, to yeah, clean. Yeah. And had, have you, had you worked out the timeline from when you left to when you think the fire might have started? How quickly did it go up? I think it must have gone very quickly because... Um, just because of the extent of the heat and the damage that was done in such a short period of time. As I said, I left and probably, you know, as a 40 minutes, 45 minutes after I left, the fire brigade had been called. My mum was standing outside of the house. And when the fire brigade arrived, which wasn't much longer after that call, they had to go in with oxygen masks and tanks and the whole house was full. And at that point, um, the... PIR sensor, the alarm sensor over my front door had melted. That had melted a long while ago, actually, because that is what had triggered my neighbours to come and investigate my house because my house alarm started ringing because the sensors inside my house melted, which caused the house alarm to start ringing. Had you a, so, what, had you a smoke alarm? I did, yes. But were the, na- had the neighbours probably, did the neighbours hear that or was it the... Was the house alarm? I think. Heard? I think. I think they may. I don't know if they heard the smoke alarm, but some yeah. other neighbours that were like not directly attached to me on the road heard my house alarm going and off. That's what. Thank God. That's what. That's what I drew the attention. So. So when you know, obviously, it was investigated afterwards. It was the dishwasher. Was it an old appliance? An old dishwasher? Not very old. I think no. five years or so. Relatively, like a modern, a modern yeah. model from a good manufacturer. But the thing is, almost every dishwasher manufacturer has had a recall due to fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, like whenever I tell the story, people are like, what model of dishwasher? Oh, yeah. And I, I usually don't say, not because I'm yeah. trying to protect them, but just because I don't want people to go, oh, I don't have that, so I'm fine. Yeah. Because if you Google, you'll find fire recalls and fire stories for basically yeah, every, every model. Yeah. But the big, the, you know, the real cautionary part of your tale, Jen, was... If you had gone to bed that night and put the dishwasher on and gone to bed, well, it's possible we wouldn't be, I wouldn't be chatting to you today. It's 
possibly be having this conversation with my mum. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Yep. Um, And I had not originally intended to go out that night. Um, My original plan was to spend the night in, and so I would have put my glass in the dishwasher and gone to bed. Now, at the time I was on, I do have, you know, fire alarms, but at the time I was on migraine medication that I took at night because it made me so drowsy. So there's no guarantee that I would have necessarily woken up before the smoke um, essentially suffocated me because I, I wasn't in the habit of closing my internal doors before I slept either. So the house would have filled with smoke with me in it instead. Yeah, and anyone from the fire department will tell you, you know, the poor unfortunates who have passed away because of house fires, the smoke gets them first, not not the actual uh, flames. So when you see these articles and hear all this advice about, oh, you can cut your electricity bill by running your appliances at, at night. How do you feel when you hear those conversations, Jen? It's it's pretty frustrating because um, I see those articles, but they're missing that kind of note of caution of, you know, yes, you can run these things at night, but you do need to be awake. Or if you're not awake, you're you're taking on some risk there, especially if you have the older kind of fire alarms that are not wired in, that rely on you being good about replacing the battery and checking that they still work and all the rest of it. If your house isn't wired with like mains plugged in smoke alarms so you're just taking on a bit of risk and I don't see that in the articles and it worries me because sometimes when I tell this story people are like oh everyone knows not to turn those things on at night that hasn't been my experience I didn't know not to turn it on when I go to bed and I know plenty of people who only after seeing my house or seeing the photos then go oh my gosh I turn my dishwasher on when I go to bed all the time because that's that's the convenient thing to do. You know, you use all of your dishes until you're done and then the dishwasher's full. You put it on and then you've cleaned dishes in the morning. Um, and it's just, it, it concerns me because I'm not the only one with a story like this. I know, for example, Dublin Fire Brigade have repeatedly commented in articles and shared stories like mine to say, don't run these appliances while you sleep. 
they shouldn't be left unattended because if you're awake, you know, you're you're likely to smell the smoke or yeah. hear something going on and then you have that chance to maybe cut the power in your house or at the very least get yourself and your family safely out of your house. If you're asleep, you run the risk of, okay, am I going to wake up? If I wake up, is downstairs already full of smoke by the time I've woken up? Then you're trying to get out through smoke. You're trying to get out in a bit of chaos. You just have less time to react to something that could go wrong. And I don't want to make people afraid of their appliances. I mean, lots of people will use dishwashers, washing machines, dryers for their whole lives and never had any problem. But the risk is there and it's not really highlighted. And I know electricity bills are absolutely wild at the moment. Mine certainly is. But I would never run a dishwasher <laughs> or a washing machine or a dryer yeah, the, when but, I'm but the, not there. But the, the other thing as well is people think that running the, because there's so much talk about the high cost of electricity, people are thinking, oh yeah, I can run it at night. It's, it, it, it'd be way cheaper. You need to be on a cheaper rate. And sometimes the cheaper rate doesn't always work out cheaper. That's the thing as well. I mean, that's that's another thing I was commenting myself on Twitter recently. A lot of people, you know, you'll hear people say it's cheaper in the evening, run it in the evening. I mean, if you're not on a nightsaver meter or a specific smart meter plan, it's not. The, the unit cost of an electricity unit is the same 24 hours a day unless you are specifically on a plan that makes it not so. And also, the evening is much what I think of as the evening and what my electricity company thinks of as the night or the evening mm. is very different. Most of those plans start at either 11 p.m., or midnight, depending on the time of year, whether you're in summertime wow. or wintertime. So they're they're really nice yeah, night savers. They run from than, like 11 to 8. Yeah. Anne says, uh, hi Patricia, my cousin came home from work one evening and put on the tumble dryer, was sitting down with her dogs and watching TV for a little while before she was heading to bed. Just before she was heading to bed, she saw smoke coming from the utility room and it turned out to be the tumble dryer. She called the fire brigade. She ended up three months out of the house. She was very lucky. Had she gone to bed before she noticed the smoke, along with her dogs, none of them might have survived. Uh, thank you for that, um, Anne. So do I take it, Jen, you would never even pop to the shops and put on a dishwasher or a washing machine? Are you always in the house when your appliances are on now? I'm always in the house when my appliances are on now. And I under, you know, it, it's a change because, as I said, of course, the convenient thing is run it in the night when you're not there. So it is. it was a lifestyle change to just be like, right, dishwashers happen when I'm awake, washing machine happens when I'm awake, etc. It is a shift. But I've been doing it for so long now that it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like, oh, I, I use a bowl in the evening after the dishwasher's on. That's fine. Yeah. I'll wash it the next yeah. morning. Yeah. That's fine. I would rather be awake and hear that satisfying beep, the dishwasher's done and everything is fine, and I've been awake the whole time, then take the risk. Um, yep, it's well sometimes done. inconvenient because I, I could do with doing a wash, but I have to go out. But I, having been through it personally, been through all the stress, the unpleasantness, not only the shock of coming home and seeing my house ruined, but also just the stress of everything that you have to deal with after that, all of the dealing with the insurance company, having, you know, nowhere to live and no clothes and nothing on my back. And that lasted for months. It took a long time for the insurance company to write the first check. So if you don't have savings, um, what do you buy new clothes with? Because I had to buy new clothes. I had no clothes. 
Everything. Um, the the clothes, the clothes you, you were wearing and, and that was it. How long did it take then from the fire in May to you back in normally into your house with everything done? So about five months. Wow. But it would have been longer, only that uh, the builder who managed the retrofit was a family friend and so he was willing to start as soon as the insurance company authorised rather than as soon as the insurance company wrote the first cheque. And that's pretty important because if we had had to wait for the insurance company to write the first cheque, it even definitely longer. would have been longer than five months. Five oh. months is because he, he was able to start tearing out the house. And are you still you in know, the same house? I'm still in the same That's house. Good, good. Okay. Um, All right. Still, All right. Yeah, lots, lots of people are saying, well done to uh, Jen for sharing her story. More people need to hear stories uh, like this. Someone else is saying the amount of young people who go to bed with phone chargers uh, plugged in I mean, that, and how they can go on fire. Uh, they really are accidents waiting to happen. Someone else says congratulations to Jen for sharing this story. We need to hear more stories like Jen's to get the message home to people. Okay, we leave it there. Listen, thank you for that, uh, Jen, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, and thanks for letting me share the story. It's why I share it, because it's important and I want people to be safe. It absolutely deserves to be shared. Thanks for that. Good morning to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Jen Keane from Dublin sharing her story uh, from back in May of 2013 when she was lucky that she was out of the house. It could have been a very different situation. Uh, Noel says, Patricia, simple solution. Buy a plug-in timer switch. Set it, say, for 12 to 2 a.m. It will cut off the power after your machine programme finishes. Some machine programmes are one and a half hours says no but no the problem that wouldn't have worked that would have been of no use to Jen if the her dishwasher went on fire while it was running so the timer switch going off after two hours was of no use to Jen it had already gone on fire John Paul's taking your call so wait 1-8-103-103 Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Having just discussed with Jen Keane from Dublin how easily you can lose everything in a house fire it is worth again reminding people about the need for adequate house insurance. Joining me for our monthly insurance chat is uh, Paul Kavanagh of McCarthy Insurance Group. Good morning to you Paul. Uh, good morning. And Paul we had actually discussed uh, fires in the home last month and I don't know how much of Jen's interview you heard there a couple of min- minutes ago but goodness me what a cautionary tale she lost absolutely everything because of her dishwasher going on fire and didn't have her internal doors closed so the smoke damage added yeah. to everything in her house. I think we touched on this last month uh, when I did the one about the oil radiator that exploded because the thermostat had gone faulty. Yeah. And I suppose it wasn't as much the fire because the fire was small, right? But the smoke damage and the burning fumes of the oil just destroyed. I couldn't believe it myself. The house was destroyed. And and trying to get the smell out, that is, that's probably one of the worst things. Once you get the cleaning, trying to get that smell out. Smoke damage is probably one of the worst things that we face in a household insurance claim. Very hard to figure out what it's going to cost until it really 
and until you get down to doing the job and get the, getting the specialist cleaners in, you won't be able to do it yourself. Not a chance. Well, Jen was saying that they had to, they had to re- literally strip it back to the floorboards. It had literally yep. seeped in uh, to everything. And yeah, like she mentioned as well, the Dublin Fire Brigade only last week were talking again, uh, you know, advising people not to leave anything plugged in when, when you're out. Um, and one of the things, and a listener rang in about it, uh, she's got teenagers in the house who go to bed every night with their phones charged on yes. the bed or on the on locker. The that, under, yeah, under that's, the pillow. that's a real no-no, isn't it? It's a no-no. We just have to, I'm sorry, we just have to put our foot down here because I think the Dublin Fire Brigade, they're very active and, and Clareborne and Fairness Tour gives, gives them great coverage when she brings them on and they show the damage that has happened. And, and putting, I think there was a parent on there a few weeks back who said he couldn't believe it, what, what the damage that the phone had done. Uh, and and was up in the bed, and the bed was burnt. Uh, he found the fo- the phone had burnt through the mattress. Mm. And a lot a lot of people have these uh, electric scooters that need to be charged. And I yes. did see a video of it was an apartment block in London, I'm sure, where they were charging it out on the sort of the laneways outside the apartment. It was a high rise building. I mean, they got it. They, they, they could have wiped out so many people and it went on fire. So, again, it's anything electrical, anything with a charger. Anything with it, the chargers, you see, were the, 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 the voltage in these scooters, in phones, etc., anything like that is is lower. And what you're doing is you're pumping electricity into it at high speed to get it charged up as quickly as possible. And you even see high-speed chargers. And I think the only advice that the, the Dublin Fire Brigade could give was, look, if you have an Apple phone, have an Apple charger. If you have a, uh, if you have a Samsung phone, have a Samsung and Hyundai and all the different makes. Uh, don't be using ones out of the pound shop. And I'm not disparaging on pound shops or anything like that or you know, anybody like that, but it's so important, it's so vital at this stage, and just don't leave it there. And we're all guilty of it, we leave it plugged in because it's easier to let it plugged in, switch it off. Please, turn it off. And the other one is to take a look at the chargers, your own or your children's uh, chargers, that they're not frayed. Oh, I think they showed that on the Clare Burn Shore where the frayed one and we all think, ah, sure, that's nothing, that's only small voltage or whatever. It can cause a fire. fire yeah. uh, and I've seen it as well on another thing with those home, um, fo- you know, they're kind of a te- there's a telephone and an answering machine and maybe a bit of a photocopier built into it. And a number of people have them in their houses, like mini offices, and they the charger of them as well. You need to keep an eye on these things because if they're getting hot, you're in trouble. I keep, you know, I was, I heard about the dishwasher one. I'm going, hmm, dishwashers I was always kind of on, on the border with, but no, I can't be on the border. I have to say, lads, don't put on the dishwasher if you're going to bed. And, yeah, and unless you're in the house. Uh, that includes, po- that includes going out to work and, and putting it on, which we've all, we been, all been guilty of it. And then yeah. if, God forbid, something was to go wrong, that's where you need to rely then on your home insurance. Uh, if you are unlucky enough to have a house fire, making sure you have adequate cover. Absolutely. It, it's just, it's the rebuilding value, right? So it's important that people understand that the rebuilding value is gone to, through the roof. If anybody of the listeners out there has bought anything in a hardware shop recently, they will know it's probably twice the price it was a couple of years ago. 
the, so you can't be relying on all sums insured and that's what we find with customers they come in and they have 150 on, on their buildings and 10 on their contents and you're going hold on a minute like that's not going to help you because we'd know the area from the various offices we have in Cork. That's not going to rebuild your house. You'd want more than that on that house. Yeah. And yeah. There, there is a guide on the Society of Chartered Insurers website to help you. And we have that guide as well. And we try. The, 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 the figure now is about €200 Euros per square metre. And I understand it's hard for people to understand what a square metre is. But it's basically three foot by three foot. Mm. That's the way I go. Uh, so nine, nine, ten square feet, two hundred euros, and that's the borderline now at the moment for rebuilding sums insured. Because if you don't get it right, and I think I was trying to explain it the last day to you, and I, I, I think I put it down that if, if for example, you insure for two hundred thousand and you should be insured for three hundred thousand, then you're only going to get two thirds of a claim. The vast majority of claims are partial claims like a kitchen or a sitting room or smoke damage, so the house is still standing. And if the damage was 60,000, well, you're only going to get two-thirds, which is 40,000. And that's very disappointing for everybody, including us involved, may I say. Okay, now please God, you'll never have to need the house insurance, but just no, but I'm hearing gives more you peace more, of mind more to have more, it. Patricia. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Now, we also want to touch today, uh, Paul, on the Ukrainian refugees that have, uh, have come uh, fleeing war in their own country. And a number of people have very kindly opened their homes and their hearts and they've taken in Ukrainian refugees. So they're planning on taking in re- re- Ukrainian refugees. What advice do you have around... Insurance. Your advice is speak to your insurance broker and make sure everything is covered for everybody's sake. Because God forbid if one of them fell down the stairs or got bitten by a dog or whatever the case may be, you need to know where you stand. What we have found is a lot of people have given their holiday homes, which is absolutely brilliant. But have you told your insurer, just tell them. That what you're doing, so that it's noted, well, that if somebody, if, so, if the house goes on fire, God forbid, then at least we know it's all documented. Uh, I, I know it's probably the last thing in everybody's mind, but just seek a small bit of advice in it. We are helping everybody as best we can. We've helped people with warehouses, people with churches, people with halls, that everybody wants to do something properly. Yeah. So let's make sure we do it. The other and, side. And what, what about when Ukrainians, the, the ones that are here, who want hmm. to drive, want to be able to drive? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a, a big problem. Um, I, I have been in contact with Deputy Sean Sherlock in relation to it, and he has raised it with various ministers, and I believe it's under review. But the Ukrainian, you see, Ukraine is not in the EU. Therefore, its license is not recognised as a full license in the EU. And accordingly, then, these people will have difficulty getting motor insurance. But we have done some a lot of a lot a lot of work with insurance companies to say, lads, you need to look at this a bit looser, please. And they are, in fairness, now they've come to, they've come to the table and have said yes. And as well as that, a number of them are coming. They're fleeing their houses, so they're coming without documentation yeah, as well. Yeah. So we need to we need to be very charitable in this regard. And I think the to be fair. Most of the insurance companies at this stage have stepped up to the mark and are willing to do something for these people. The last one that I want to point on is there's a very difficult one in there which Sean Sherlock is looking at, and that is that unfortunately, and we have a huge shortage at the moment of taxi drivers, lorry drivers, 
uh, bus drivers, they cannot get a, a, a license because it must be, they have to get a special license and you must have an EU license first. So the, I think there's work going on in the background with the Department of Transport and Foreign Affairs to see, can this be fast-tracked? Because so many of these Ukrainian refugees, and when they arrive, they get their head down and on day two, when you ask them what you most want, they all say jobs. They want to work. So it would be great if we could sort it out. Okay, before I let you go, Anne says, uh, could you ask your guest, our guest is uh, Paul Kavanagh of McCarthy Insurance, how do you find out the rebuilding value of your house? Yeah, well, the, the, the Society of Chartered uh, um, uh, valuers they have a website uh, and uh, we also have we have access to that uh, And but I'm saying to people and the average of a, a square metre which is 3 feet by 3 feet call that 9 nine ten square feet 200 euros that's the approximate but everybody has different things built into their house Patricia like they could have conservatories garages double garages um, they could have lean tools out the back, walls, fences, everything. There's a lot of things to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Dormers and lots yeah. of work done to them. So we, we, it, need, it needs advice. Yeah, no two houses are going to be the same for sure. Give Paul, we, we leave it there. Listen, thank you for that and uh, we'll chat to you again next month. Thank you. Thanks Patricia. for joining us. That Bye. is uh, Paul McCarthy of Paul Kavanagh of McCarthy Insurance Group. 0818 103 103. I can see a lot of texts coming in. Uh, we'll get to those afternoons at 12. We're also looking for questions for Annalise Drisello, nutritional therapist. You can text, you can WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of commentary coming in reacting to Jen Keane, who joined us in Dublin, talking about losing everything in her house when her dishwasher went on fire when she was out of the house. And it was a real cautionary tale and how she, she now never leaves, never switches anything on before leaving the house. And the other one is it's closing all of the internal doors when you're leaving the house and also when you're going to bed. And I wonder how many people do you actually do that? I mean, I mean I'm even thinking of my own house. The kitchen door is always closed but I can't hand on heart say all of the other internal doors are closed either when I'm going to bed or when I leave the house uh, in the morning. So maybe it's something that we all need to start doing. Uh, Denise said, Patricia, in relation to house fires, I know that insurance companies are very quick to make what they call interim payments when a house fire occurs. I wonder, did Jen, the lady you interviewed, did she not get one? Didn't sound like she did because she said her delay was she got the insurance said yes we'll pay up but there seems to be a delay with the money coming through because she said it was only that she had a friend of hers a builder who started the work before the money came through so no it doesn't look like it did in in her case maybe it differs from one insurance company to another thanks for your WhatsApp a West Cork listener about three months ago I put on my washing machine which is in my utility room I was working away inside my kitchen and my husband came in and said what's that smell of burning I ran to the washing machine and lo and behold there was a lot of smoke pouring out of it we unplugged it immediately and thank God we managed to stop the fire. That's, see, that's a typical example. Now, if you had switched that on and maybe gone off out, maybe gone off to do some shopping, nobody in the house, or worse, if you'd gone to bed, 
So, yeah, any of those machines can literally go on fire. John says, Patricia, the savings people can make on the night rate electricity are small compared to the 23% rise in electricity prices. We're all probably facing another 20% plus increase before October. Yeah, and that was one of the points that Jen pointed out with people saying, oh, I'll run my washing machine at night. You have to be on a night saver rate. And sometimes the night saver rate then means that your electricity charge during the day is more expensive. So unless you're using a lot of equipment at night it it doesn't always work out to be the best value you really do have to look at the small print Mary says Patricia I was listening to your guest and her terrible ordeal with her house fire. I had a new washing machine. After just a few uses, I heard a very loud bang and smoke coming out from it. Luckily, I was in the house at the time. I would never now go out and leave anything electrical running. I unplug everything before I go out to. It simply is too dangerous. That's just some, thank you Mary, that's just some of the calls and texts that we have had uh, in over the course of the morning since speaking with Jen. Now, I also mentioned the truckers, the haulier protest which is going on as we speak in uh, Dublin. All of the major routes around Dublin city centre came to a very slow crawl this morning as the hauliers started protesting. They're protesting about skyrocketing fuel prices. Some of your comments in on them, including a voice note. Of course, you can always send us a voice note if you're using WhatsApp. Our WhatsApp is 0862 103 103 if you want to get your point across. This is from John. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Patricia. Um, um, you're going on there about the the, the strike there, or the hauliers there in Dublin. Um, I do feel sorry for the people that have appointments of going to the airport, but in the long run, it's it you know these prices probably affects all of Ireland. You know, just because they're going on holidays, you know, um, you know the the price of diesel and everything has just gone sky high. And uh, you know, it affects everyone. I just, you know, it's. I don't know why people are giving out. I know they're going to be there for pipements, whatever. But that's that's just. Uh, sorry to say it now, but that's what I call tough luck. But you know, we'll have to do something like, um, like a nearly two two uh, euro liter for diesel. Now it's gone beyond a joke. Now, uh, thank you, Patricia. Bye. Uh, thank you for that, John. And of course, by having diesel and petrol go up, the knock-on is everything has gone up in price because of uh, delivery costs. A Kerry listener says, Hi Patricia, I support the truckers wholeheartedly today. Electricity and fuel costs continue to go through the roof and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. Disruption may be one thing, but the fuel crisis has far-reaching consequences for many, such as people on fixed pensions and fixed incomes, transport operators and many others who have very limited resources. If it doesn't affect you, then you're lucky good on you but that's not the way it is for many many people in this country as for the disruption for the people of Dublin I've little sympathy poor Dublin a set of traffic lights goes out of order on a street in Dublin and it's a major catastrophe up there says a Kerry listener who is certainly not having sympathy for the good people of Dublin this morning who are being held up because of this truckers uh, truckers uh, dispute that's going on and the truckers would say that they are doing it for everybody Hi Patricia, listening to you earlier talking about the haulier demonstration in Dublin, I agree entirely with them. I used to drive the Arctics many years ago, most trucks hold 1,500 litres plus of diesel and they only do about 8 miles to the gallon, so it's crippling for the truck 
firms just in fuel alone and then you've got tax and maintenance etc on top of it home heating oil and petrol is extortionate at the moment so is the price of food something has to be done otherwise this country will starve and grind to a halt as you say TDs can have big salaries and allowances so they don't really understand. They're not living through the reality of what it is like. And maybe because of their high wages, as this texter, many, many of them don't care. Well, I, well, they do care. I mean, they're, they're trying their, bit, their best. But I know what you're saying. They can be a bit detached if they, their own household budget isn't affected by the dread of electricity bill coming in or the dread of having to get home heating oil or if you are a truck company trying to work out how you're going to make ends meet because of diesel price is going up. People, I suppose, can feel they're a bit out, out of touch with reality, but the government and the, the TDs, they say, they're in there trying to do their very best. Um, hi, Patricia. This is from Ross. It is about time everybody stood up and protested. And Ross says that, Ross says, I also would agree with the hauliers who are saying that Eamon Ryan, Minister for Transport, has to go. If he doesn't go, he'll have this country in rack and and ruin. That's from Ross. Thank you for your uh, WhatsApp. What else is coming in on some other different issues? Morris in, in Glanthorne. This is on the number of people heading to Dublin Airport and the problems that people are having at Dublin Airport. Morris says, my belief at the moment is that in this country, many people during the pandemic were given a lot of money over the last two years by way of the various COVID payments. I didn't receive any of that money, but a lot of people did. Those people that, that make, got all that money during the pandemic should now stay at home and reinvest that money in this country, even if they did it for just one year, and make this country strong. Again, now Morris, I don't think anyone who was on a pandemic payment would say they got a lot of money from it. There was people who did make money during the pandemic, but there was also other people who lost their jobs or had to live on a pandemic pay- payment. There's money there. There's, we've we've been hearing for the last number of years because people weren't able to spend money during the pandemic. The amount of money people have in savings and I think that's the reason so many people are having extra holidays this year and are going abroad. But I know the point you're making, if people have extra cash, not necessarily that they got it in a COVID payment, but if they have extra savings, would people consider reinvesting it locally maybe in businesses, go out and socialise or do your staycations have your holidays here and make this country great again thank you for that Morris there was a number of calls by the way this is on an ESB outage in the Town area we got some frustrated people who are working from home were not aware that there was a planned outage and are complaining and asking does the ESB network do they not send notes around to people you know maybe you get a note through the door saying there would be an outage on such and such a date because the calls we've received from Newcastle this morning those people said they did not get anything through their letterbox advising them of a planned outage and now they've been left trying not able to do their work obviously people working from home so we've got onto the ESB um, to see if they still physically send out uh, notices so we will get back to you on that Joe and Kilmallock says the sooner that the Green Party are out of government the better. They are too dangerous in government, is Joe's uh, view with fuel cock costs and the knock-on effects. And actually just while we're on about uh, fuel and the fuel allowance, there was a couple of people on saying when does the fuel allowance end? The fuel allowance ended last Friday. So you won't get a fuel allowance payment this week. It's gone. Tony in Doula in County Clare says, I don't blame those truck drivers giving out about Eamon Ryan. 
in a short space of time the Greens wanted or a short while ago the Greens wanted to introduce wolves back into Ireland I wonder sometimes where the Greens come up with their decision the one that always made me smile with Eamon Ryan at the start of the pandemic when they were suggesting that people get out into their gardens and start growing veg and somebody at a press conference says well what if you live in an apartment what are you going to do then Minister Minister Ryan and he said you could get a window box and you could grow some lettuces in your window box and I don't know how many people took up growing lettuce during the um, during the pandemic even though I grew tomatoes for the first time and I was quite pleased uh, with them uh, but yeah sometimes the greens come out with people think and and, and it's and, and look the suggestions are made they, they're coming from a good place but some people just think it's just craziness and w- why would you even be suggesting that Anita contacted us from Manchester thank you for your call uh, Anita say listening to you uh, talking about the delays at Dublin Airport just to let people know it isn't just in Dublin Airport we're having similar delays here at Manchester Airport not every day but there's peak times during the day and during the week where there can be very very long queues so just to let people no, you are not alone. And Tony said the problem with Dublin Airport is they left hundreds of security staff going. Obviously, they left them go during the pandemic when there was nearly tumbleweed blowing through all of the airports. It would have been the same. It wasn't just Dublin, it was Cork and Shannon as well. And a lot of people, unfortunately, lost their jobs uh, because of it. And Tony said that's the problem. All of the staff that were there, they were let go. But he also says for security staff in general, they're long hours, they're low, they're low pay and they, it's not a very attractive job to get people to do it. Yeah, and Donny, I mentioned, I did hear a trade unionist talk about some of the contracts the Dublin airport were offering were these 20 hours a week. So they're not even, they're not even offering a full 40 hour a week. And I think it was just a little bit above the minimum wage. Now, whether they've changed the terms and conditions or whether they'll have to change the terms and conditions in order to get people to work, I, I feel sure that they are going to have to do that. And John on Twitter to at C103 Cork, when we spoke about the burning of Pete, this is another suggestion that is that the government, and this will be very much backed by the Green Party, there'll be the total ban on the burning of Pete in this country from September. And it also includes people who have turf you can't give turf to your neighbours or to your friends you know there's a bag of turf for you John on Twitter says burning peat in a domestic setting kills pure and simple enough said said John in many ways he says the burning of turf is worse than the burning of smoky coal so John is somebody 100% in favour of a ban on burning turf and for people that were inquiring about trying to work out what would be the rebuild cost of their house that we spoke to Paul Kavanagh about you can check out the SCSI website they have what's called a house rebuild guide so if you go on SC si.ie and look up their house rebuild guide. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Donavale Active Retirement, they have their next meeting in the Presentation Pastoral Centre this afternoon at three. New members are welcome. Bingo is on tomorrow night, Tuesday. Sorry, that's tomorrow, Tuesday, not today. Also tomorrow, Tuesday, Shambhalimore Bingo is on at eight o'clock. Everybody is welcome with a jackpot tomorrow night of 1,650 a euro. And you're invited to take part in a Climb with Charlie fundraiser this week by joining the Mallow Community Health Project and the Strollers Walking Group. It's on this Thursday, the 14th of April at the Nanonagle Centre in Kilavallam. They'll start at two. The walk is about 45 minutes long. Now you are advised
advised to wear good walking shoes as there will be a rugged section that you may find slippy, particularly if the day is wet. All donations will be going to the Irish Motor and Urine Disease Association and Pieta House and it's all part of the climb with Charlie. All are welcome. And this Friday night, it's Good Friday, Texas Hold'em Card Night in aid of St Mary's Alzheimer Day Centre has been rescheduled to take place this Friday night. Four, Friday afternoon, 4 o'clock, Mallow GAA Complex in Carragoon. Tickets €20. Euro. They're available from the Mousetrap Bar in Mallow or from the organiser Billy O'Connell on 087-787-3478. Anyone who purchased tickets for the previous cancel event, please come along as your tickets are valid for the new event. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Just to catch up on some final texts in Catherine Cork says, Hi Patricia, I always close all of my internal doors in my house before going to bed. The only one that I leave open is the bathroom door. I've been doing that for years. I also turn off all of the appliances before I leave the house. And it's to get into the habit of it, isn't it, Catherine? And you're obviously well in the habit of doing it. And it's just, you don't even think about it. It's like locking, making sure the door is locked. If you get into the habit of unplugging items and closing all internal doors, you know, you, you end up doing it. You don't even realise that you have uh, done it. Eileen says, Patricia, I can't believe when I hear, heard you discussing earlier about the closing of the much needed health facility, the mental health facility, Unakara in East uh, Cork, when Robert Watt of the Department of Health is being paid what I feel is way above the level of his uh, for for what the job is worth just to sign off on jobs that are not under his remit obviously talking about the Tony Houlihan job if any other worker in a company did that they would soon lose their jobs perhaps the extra money could be taken from him and given to improve the exact facility that you're talking about this morning and there's a number of people I'll try and get to some of them there's a number of uh, people commenting on the Tony Houlihan case and people not that happy uh, with it. Ross, though, thought it was beyond disgusting the way the treatment, the way the the way the government have treated Tony Hulan because of course we know at the weekend he has decided now to withdraw the offer of going to Trinity he is instead going to retire from public service this summer but it's now expected and it's been hinted that he'll move into the private sector so the public sector will lose out on the skills of uh, Tony Hulan and hi Patricia I'm getting cheesed off listening to Michal Martin and the rest of the government saying lessons must be uh, learnt they have been caught out breaking existing rules over the Tony Houlihan issue. Patricia, they're all around long enough and they're paid well enough uh, to be only learning lessons now. They should have learned those lessons a long, long time ago. And as I say, number of people not that happy with the whole, the way the whole Tony Houlihan issue uh, has has played out and I, I, I don't I just one of those stories I think it's going to rumble on I don't think we're at the end of it uh, yet Hi Patricia I'm sick of people saying that coal and turf the burning of coal and turf kills people 6,000 people a year die in this country from what? from cigarette smoking there's no talk about banning them why? because they make too much revenue for the government says this uh, texter and says uh, we are constantly hearing uh, 
for, from the government and particularly from the Green members of government to start taking the buses and to use public transport instead. Well, that's all well and good. But I give you a, for instance, if I have to go to Cork University Hospital, it'll take me 15 minutes max to drive from my house to get me to CUH. Whereas if I'm to take the bus, it'll take me an hour on the bus. And, and some people will say, you're lucky that you'd be even able to access a bus to get you to CUH because that isn't the case for uh, everybody else. Hi, Patricia. I'm heading to Dublin. I'm heading to a hospital in Dublin and I've got to be there for 6am. I'm assuming this tomorrow morning. Do you know if taxis are going on strike up there as I need to get a taxi to get me to the hospital? I haven't heard of taxis. Anybody heard of taxi drivers going on strike? It's the, you might be confusing it with the Haulier's dispute that is on today. That's what you might be. I'll, I'll check it out, but I haven't heard of taxis going on strike. If we hear anything, we certainly will bring it to you. Hi, Patricia. This is from Maura in Glanmire. This is on passports. I renewed my daughter's passport online. It took exactly one week from when I posted the consent forms. I got her photograph taken in a local pharmacy and I got them to email me, email me the photographs and then I had no problem uploading them on the form. It was all so convenient and so very quick. I hope this might help some people who are having problems waiting on a passport. That's the one thing and in fairness to Deputy Michael Collins, he did make that point and I did make the point on straightforward renewals. The service seems to be uber efficient with people who can just go online fill in everything that needs to be filled in, upload the photograph, send down a link to the photograph and passports are arriving back in. You know, sometimes someone's applying on a Monday and the passport is with them Thursday or Friday. Straightforward passports doesn't seem to be an issue at all. But if there is anything wrong with the application at all, smallest thing wrong with the application, that's when it really gets delay upon delay upon delay. And it does seem to be on the first passport, like for the babies. And I'm assuming that that was that a first passport. Oh, no, that was renewal on your daughter's passport. When it's a renewal, it does seem to be more straightforward. It's on the first passport that it just is taking an inordinate amount of time to the point that some people are missing out on holidays because the holiday was booked and the passport doesn't arrive. 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862103103. Let's take a break and we're back chatting with Annalise Dressel, a nutritional therapist. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic joining me on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And are you you slowly getting back after your COVID dose? Do you know, I was just saying to John Paul, I feel back now this week for sure. I was a bit tired last week in the afternoons. Um, but yeah. other than that, I can't complain really. I've had worse head colds. Yeah, yeah, it does take the good two weeks, even three weeks for some people. With just the tiredness, to, yeah. definitely. And I was taking, I took the Source of Life Gold and so it definitely I, got yeah. me over the hump in the afternoon because I was finding the afternoons I was exhausted, which is not like me. Yeah, yeah. And know myself and John Paul, like there's a week between myself and John Paul, so we're kind of matching up. How are you uh, doing this week? How are you doing this? But they're still there. I even found out the weekend, uh, God, there was, yeah, you could, could nod off to sleep in the afternoon, no problem at all. Anyway, we, we'll, we'll, we'll come like the Spaniards and go for siestas in the afternoon, which isn't, oh, the, how lovely. isn't the worst thing in the world to do. Okay, let's get straight into questions. Anne says, could you please ask Annalise, if she thinks acetylcysteine helps ward off COVID. Also, what's the best borderline thyroid supplement? I'm taking thyroid plus twice a day, but no massive improvement. Okay, so 
Um, N-acetylcysteine got a lot of popularity during COVID because of its ability to help people prevent COVID and also to deal with COVID if they got it. Um, It's a lovely supplement, Patricia. I love it myself. I take it quite a bit as well if I'm doing a kind of a cleanse um, or if I want to suppress sugar cravings. I've taken it for those kind of things, you know, when I go on a sugar-free diet for a while. It, um, It kind of has a couple of different roles. It's brilliant for the chest. It's great for people who suffer from a lot of mucus in the chest, so it works very well for that. It's a great liver support supplement, so it's great for that. And it's also what we call a very powerful antioxidant. What that means is it has the ability to sort of mop up after inflammation. So when we get sick, our immune system revs up and it produces a lot of chemicals that create inflammation. That's a positive inflammation because it helps to kill viruses and bacteria. But it's that that makes us feel sick, that inflammation. So the NAC helps to mop up from that so you don't feel as sick and you seem the, the duration of being unwell is, is far less as well. So for those reasons, yes, I do think N-acetylcysteine is a great one to use for COVID or for any other respiratory or viral infection. And the second question there was around the thyroid, uh, a good thyroid supplement. So the Tyro Plus is a good supplement. Um, it's not always the answer for people. Um, sometimes... What they do, those supplements, Patricia, is they put in the building blocks for your thyroid to be able to make thyroid hormone. Um, so if you're taking it and it makes no difference, then that is not going to, a different one is probably not going to work for you. Maybe you, your thyroid is unable to make the thyroid hormone efficiently, regardless of having all the building blocks. So it might be that you might need to take the alfoxin um, hormone. Yeah. Um, for some people, the issue is, is with conversion. So I would have a lot of customers who get put on the thyroid hormone and it doesn't seem to be working for them. They don't feel any improvement in energy. And the problem is that they're not converting it efficiently within the cell. So there is a supplement called Tyroconvert. It's by a company called NutriAdvanced. And it does help you convert it within the cell itself to the active form of the hormone. And for some people, that's the missing link. So it's, again, NutriAdvanced and it's called Tyroconvert. And it helps. You can take it with the thyroid support uh, complex to see, does that just give you that extra edge? And if you don't feel any different, it's not going to work for you. OK, say with, th- with COVID for a couple of questions now. Catherine, my husband feels tired most of the time. Some days he can stay in bed until midday and he's back ready to go to bed between 7 and 8 in the evening. He just always seems tired. Even after a short walk, he gets very tired. He's gone for regular checkups with doctors and everything seems to be OK. Now, he did have COVID, but this tiredness started just before COVID, but now seems to be worse post-COVID. Is there something that he could take to maybe give him a pick-up? Okay, so there is, that is probably fairly complex if there's chronic fatigue really before even COVID happened. Uh, There is something else going on and that could be a number of things, Patricia. When you're talking about energy, you could be looking at nutrient deficiencies, iron deficiency, folate deficiency, B12 deficiency. Some people who experience vitamin D deficiency would feel tired and they might complain of aching bones. They might have post-exercise fatigue, so they feel worse after exercise instead of a lot of people feel good after exercise, but these people will feel worse. Um, So there, there are just a few reasons for chronic fatigue, basic reasons. Some people suffer chronic fatigue because they've suffered from viral infection like glandular fever or any Epstein-Barr virus. People can be left with viral fatigue afterwards. COVID seems to be the same post-viral fatigue. So if you're looking at supporting the energy of the uh, pathways of the cell, 
you need to have all of your B vitamins, so B complex. Coenzyme Q10 is another very good one um, for energy. So you can take that in supplement form as well. Make sure that iron levels, B12 levels, folate levels and vitamin D levels are good because if any of those are low, that would contribute to, to low energy. And then herbs that can help improve your energy are thin, things like ginseng and guarana. Now, the guarana isn't my favorite one, Patricia, because it's almost like caffeine. It kind of helps rev up your energy for a short while, but you may end up feeling tired or afterwards. Whereas I do think ginseng is very good to support gentle energy increases. And I know that Terranova, they do a lovely supplement called Dynamic Synergy, and it's a blend of different types of ginseng. And we get great feedback on that for people who are taking the Revive Active or the Source of Life Gold after COVID, and they're not getting the same boost that they would hope for we're putting them on that dynamic synergy and that seems to be doing the trick for them. Okay, and Susan had COVID three weeks ago. She had fairly mild symptoms, uh, so she was lucky. But since then, she describes having the worst headache you could ever imagine, which I think is from the COVID. I've tried everything, different painkillers, and nothing seems to be lifting the headache. Yeah, Patricia, again, you see, this is, COVID is quite a frightening illness and there's very, people are experiencing quite strange after effects from it. Actually, I had COVID and my worst symptom was the headache. Yeah, and the only the thing that knocked it for me was the Neurofen Plus with codeine, which, of course, is kind of hard to get your hands on. Um, but it was the, I like, there was ibuprofen, um, Panadol, the Neurofen Normal. None of those hit my headache, but the Neurofen Plus did. Um, I think if it's a long-term headache, again, it could be from um, COVID. I think it's probably something to do with the way that COVID affects our our whole vascular system, Patricia. Um and circulation, and I think that's. I think there must be a link there with headache. So I'd say take try taking magnesium proactively, and go for the magnesium by glycinate because it is a lovely, gentle one on the system. And um, maybe try. What else could you try? Like something like an aspirin, not even so much for the the, the pain side of it, Patricia, but for the blood thinning side of it. Um, and maybe that could help. I'm literally just throwing guests yeah, at this yeah. now because it's it's so new that I haven't seen anything really yet like it. So the magnesium and maybe just an aspirin to help try and thin the blood and um, try and see, can you get a pack for a week of the Nurofen Plus from your pharmacy? Yeah, and hope that the that chemist, yeah. I, I certainly found, I, I suffered with the headaches, but to me, it was pressure. It was like a sinus headache. Because I was completely blocked up when I got the COVID. I sounded like I had a really heavy head cold. Uh, you know, it was my sinuses I felt were it's all blocked. Absolutely. And even actually, I did try myself with the Sudafed too, Patricia, but that didn't hit it either. Yeah, yeah. So, and a lot of people complaining of the headaches with um, COVID. So, look, I think you have to go down the medical route for that. Try everything. But that lady was saying that none of the normal um, painkillers seem to do it for her. So try and seek in your pharmacist give you the Neurofen Plus with codeine. Because, oh, actually, so maybe with, if the codeine works as well, possibly the CBD oil might work because yeah. that also binds to the cannabinoid receptors. So that might also help. So go and get um, a week's supply of high-strength cannabis oil and take that three or four times a day along with the magnesium and hopefully that would do the trick. Somebody who has what they describe as a bad bronchitis-type cold, what would you suggest? 
So bronchitis is where you get inflammation of all the bronchioles in the chest. And I have to say the Dr. Claire Mucotone is 100% the best for that because there's lovely cat's claw in it and that's a great anti-inflammatory for the chest. There's also echinacea in there for immune boosting and there's stuff in there to help kind of get rid of the mucus. So I try the Dr. Claire Mucotone and if you're coughing a lot, I think probably, uh, let me see now which one would be the nicest. So I think either the Comvita Manuka honey is lovely for a, a, a very um, hard and um, chesty cough. That's a nice one that does both. And also the Irish Botanica, a lovely company, they do a botanical syrup, which is very soothing as well. And rather than take it as they suggest, Patricia, which is they kind of suggest you take two teaspoons three times a day, what I find helps best when you have a cough is you take it when you start coughing, take a half a teaspoon. Because if you can prevent yourself getting into those coughing fits, mm. it cuts down on the irritation and the inflammation of the chest membranes. So trying to prevent yourself getting into those fits, I think, is the key there. So take the Dr. Claire Mucotone and a, a soothing cough bottle like the Comvita or the Irish Botanica and prevent yourself from coughing. OK, Mary, by email. Hi, Annalise. I am on... Stemital for vertigo. It came on suddenly, never had a cold, didn't have any ear problems. Any advice on how to get over vertigo? It's a difficult one, Patricia, because vertigo is, um, and again, a lot of people will be experiencing that after that respiratory virus that was going on or the flu virus this year, as well as COVID. So what happens is that you get inflammation in the inner ear canals and it affects your feeling of balance. So you feel nauseous all the time. And stematol is like a travel, almost like a travel sickness drug. It helps to restore balance. So over the years, it, we've tried various different things for vertigo, and it's a very hard one to crack. Uh, there used to be a great supplement that worked very well, but unfortunately, it's been taken off the market. But the things that were in it the, the, um, that I felt were beneficial was, the first thing was rosemarinic acid, which comes from rosemary. So drinking rosemary tea can help, or you could get... Um, rosemary essential oil from the health store and you could uh, do it in a steam inhalation and get it right up in through the sinuses and it'll get into the ears via that kind of backward route. So that's the rosemary oil. The other thing that was in that supplement that was discontinued was um, a bacteria called Lactobacillus salivarius and that again is very good for the health of the inner ear and the biocult has got that bacteria in there so you could try that as a, as a probiotic um, and then take a natural anti-inflammatory that will bring down an inflammation and support the immune system. So we love one here called, and I've been taking it myself post-COVID, it's the Scientifica uh, P30, and it's a blend of a few different very good natural anti-inflammatories that will work also to boost your immune system as to bring inflammation down in the inner ear. Okay, hi, uh, good afternoon. Please don't call out my name, which is fine. I have the inclination to have a stool movement most days, but then when I try to go to the toilet, it won't pass. Every time then I go for a run or a walk, my belly gets hot and then I need to get to the toilet and I need to go straight away. Any help would be great. Yeah, so that, like, if you talk to a doctor, Patricia, they'll say constipation is when you're straining. But actually, from a healthy perspective, you need to have a healthy bowel movement every day with no straining, a well-formed one. Otherwise, I would consider that constipation. So this is a little bit of constipation. You still have the urge to go, but you're not able to pass a stool. So I would start off just with the very gentle psyllium husk. It's a kind of a fibre that you buy in the health shop, and it actually turns into what we call soluble fibre. There's two kinds of fibre, insoluble, which if you can, you know, I always think I imagine it as when you peel off the strings off celery. You know, that really hard yeah, fibre yeah. to digest. 
that's insoluble fibre. Now, it's great because it feeds the good bacteria in our gut. But if you do suffer with constipation, sometimes that fibre is worse because it can impact if you're not digesting it properly. It impacts and it's very, very hard then to get passing a stool. So what you're looking for is gentle, soluble fibre. And the psyllium husk is great. You could put one heaped spoon of that onto your breakfast cereal in the morning. Porridge is a great one as well because that's full of soluble fibre. And then kiwi fruits, pears and apples are also full of that soluble fibre. So soluble fibre is more like a kind of a gel and it helps to ease the passage of a, of a harder stool. So I would suggest trying that because that's the key really is being able to get up in the morning and have a healthy bowel movement. The reason that your belly feels hot is because you've probably got a bit of impaction. And then, of course, any exercise will loosen the bowels. And if you're really, really struggling, sometimes a very strong cup of coffee can do it as well. That can mm. help loosen out the bowels. OK, a couple of uh, quick ones. Question for Annalise. Is it OK to take Source of Life Gold as well as Viridian High Potency Curcumin Complex over the course of one month? Yes, absolutely fine. They'll complement each other. Uh, Hi, Annalise. If I take a daily capsule of fish oils containing 680 mgs of EPA and 272 mgs of DHA per day, is that adequate? Plenty. That's a lovely, strong one. so even that, if, you, if you're doing it for maintenance, you might want to take half that dose because that is a lovely strong dose. I'd recommend that for people if they are a little bit stiff in their joints or if they have symptoms. You could go down onto a lower dose for maintenance or you could take it every second day if it's a single capsule. Hi, Annelise. Would you recommend clear marine menomem for menopause and especially the hot flushes? So that is kind of a supplement that has got some krill oil in there and it has a few B vitamins and some plant isoflavones that mimic oestrogen. And some of our customers do find it beneficial. There are other ones. um, So I think depending on symptoms, when people come in, we recommend different things. And the menomin can be a good starter starter one um, and it can help certainly with... um, you know, with maybe hot flushes and the krill oil in there is lovely for skin and for, for you know, for moisturising eyes and, and all the tissues. So that it can be a nice one for that. But I think for um, people who struggle with anxiety and sleeplessness, we are finding that the nutri-advanced perimenopause support is a wonderful one because it covers all the bases. It's kind of a very high-strength one. OK, and somebody sent me in a photograph saying, could you ask Annalise, is this good for clearing the chest after infection? And it's a photograph of the Avogel Bronchoforce Chesticoff. Is it good for after an infection to clear the chest? Um, yes, it is, actually. And one of the girls that works in the shop here, she was um, telling us that that was the one that seemed to hit the spot for her kids. People are very different, Patricia. So, like, if it's not working for you, it's not the right remedy. Um, normally, um, cough bottles really are should be helping to soothe all of the inflamed tissue of the lungs. So, it will it'll certainly be good for that. But it won't be it'll be good. It won't be good for bringing back energy or other things. Okay. All right. We will leave it at that. Listen. Thank you for that. Um, and I and just very yeah, quickly mention, Patricia. On Thursday, we have a lady coming in. There's been a lot of talk about collagen for skin and health recently. So we have a lovely lady coming in on Thursday from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock and she's giving away free collagen samples and checking to see how much protein and collagen you need, doing a BMI and all of that and it's all free. Okay, and that's at the shop. That's at the shop. All right, listen, thank you for that and as always, all of the information and all of the different items that we mentioned today, Annalise, later on in the afternoon, we'll put it up on her website, Health Hub 
webstore.com you'll find it under the section as heard on the radio and then John Paul puts up Annalise's slot as a separate podcast as well wherever you get your podcasts if you want to listen back to Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic. before I go there was a text in asking me to give a mention for a group of children where has it gone here it is Bishop O'Brien School in Bartlemy are having a 6k fun run it's chip timed for runners with individual category prizes. It's happening on Sunday the 24th of April. It starts at 12 noon in Bartlemy Village. Now refreshments will be served afterwards and proceeds will be used to resurface the junior and senior infants school yard and you can check them all out. They have a Facebook page up and running called uh, Bartlemy School Fun Run and I just think that's the sweetest thing that the, the little kids themselves are doing it to resurface the schoolyard for the smallies for the junior and uh, senior infants. It's a lovely, lovely thing to do. Well done and good luck to them. Okay, that's where I've got to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow at 10 until the Lampshire Messenger. Good afternoon. On C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.